Okay, we are we are waiting for a machine to start recording. Not a machine. That's recording. Amazing. Um, if someone is going to call you in the middle, what will happen? Good question. So I think if you put it on airplane mode, airplane mode, okay, that resolves the question. Then you remember to take off. If not, you'll have peace the whole day. <laughs> if you want to be bothered, then take it off. <laughs> okay. okay. We're going through the introduction, and we are. I think it's good to try to move through the introduction relatively quickly. We're not even beginning the, the actual chapters of the Shar Habitachim. There's a reason why what we're learning now is important to be learned as an intro. Many people have this notion that Bitachin will bring into the world, will make manifest exactly that which you think is the right thing for you. And we're going to speak more about that later. But as we go through the introduction, it becomes clearer and clearer that, that what Bitachin is primarily going to accomplish within us is to be in the right frame of mind and state of heart, which is that much more important that much more important than the things that actually happen in the physical realm, not to minimize the things that happen. But let me just begin as an intro to the intro. If you think about it, I would argue that almost, almost all physical pursuits that we have, the muscle that I give, at least when I speak to men, is that you want to buy a new car. What you, you don't really want a new car. You want the feeling that you get when you buy the new car. And the few lucky people that can get the same feeling with the Alta Klanka, Amachaya, they have the feeling and they save money. That's just a little slight. Um, but we're going to focus more about one's, one's state, state of mind and state of heart. In the context of we're going through the benefits in his introduction of what we talk and will bring to a person in one's financial affairs. So whoever is using the white kahas shara bitachen, we are continuing on page 25. No, we're not even speaking about bitachen itself. We're speaking about from the advantages of bitachen. One of the advantages that one has when it comes to exercising bitachen, that will define a lot better soon better understanding what it means and how do we achieve it. What it means, he said in the first line, it's for a person to rely on God alone. God should be the only rock in my life. And everyone is constantly relying on, the only question is, are we substituting God, at least at times, for self, for things, for other people? And it's either or. If I'm having bitachan 99% in God and 1% in you, then that 1% is an area in which I don't yet have bitachin. And the goal is to rely on God completely. To be b'teach b'ashem levadoi. And when one achieves that level, or as we strive towards achieving that level, then an advantage that we will have regarding money matters, but he puts another very important caveat, regarding the Torah perspective regarding money matters. And that will be like this. If the person actually will be successful, or everyone is successful, but it's at a moment of success. So if a person is relying on their money, they're going to be hesitant to spend it, even when they have it. When a person has bitachen in God, then when they have the money, they're going to spend it properly in the context of paying one's debts. We all have debts. And he puts all of the debts into two categories. Debts to God and debts to a fellow man. Debts to God is the choices of our lifestyle that we make because we are observant Jews incur expense. That's called a debt to God. Then there is, I opted, I chose to borrow money from you and I have to pay it back. People that have money, if their bitachin is in their money, it's difficult for them to part from their money. Not that the person who has bitachin is certain that God will give them more money. No, that's not what bitachin means. Bitachin means that I'm relying on God. 
My worries are, 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 are taken care of by God. Whether I'll have money or not won't make a difference. So when I'll have the money, I'm going to spend it properly, meaning I will pay back my debts. I want you to know parenthetically that it says in the Zoya and on the portion of Mishpatim, the Elaha Mishpatim Asher Tassim Lithneim, which is the portion of the week that deals primarily with financial obligations, it says in the Zoya, this is the secret of reincarnation. This is the secret of reincarnation. It's like a one-liner. And we understand that to mean that the primary reason why a neshama has to come back is because of unresolved financial debts. In other words, when people say, oh, I came here to do a tikkun, it could be. But the, in 90, the ikr tikkun is because I owe someone money. All of our failings between man and God don't necessitate coming back in this world. could be that once we're coming back anyways to resolve debts, we might as well fix other things as well. In as much as it's very important while we're here to really want to be here, and as we learn in Hasidus that God's kavan is over here, and mitzvahs are only over here, I can only give nachas over here. The fact is, is that when we are over there, we really don't want to come back here. So just having a greater tool that will help us pay back our debts is kavaldik. I mean, it's from the trader perspective. Now, if a person doesn't have money, but they have bitachin, so that's what I was saying in my little cute introduction, that people want money really not for the money. People want money for the peace of heart and mind, for the calm, for the tranquility. And if a person has bitachin, they achieve that same tranquility and more, even without the money. So I don't have the money. So first of all, the person understands that if I don't have the money, I don't feel weighed down by the fact that I cannot pay back my debts. Because I don't have it. Why should I worry? You should worry. Oh, the famous joke, a guy is not sleeping, and his wife tells him, why can't he sleep? He says, I owe the neighbor money. So she tells him, do you have it or don't you have it? He says, no, I don't have it. So open up the window and tell your neighbor right now, you don't have the money, let him not sleep. And you go to sleep. Right? Or then just looking at me. Okay, say them. <laughs> In other words, if you don't have the money and you have the tachin, you'll be fine. This is not, God forbid, because the person is careless about debts that they have, but I'm saying, what are you going to do? We spoke a few weeks ago that accepting reality as is is one of the closest manifestations of believing in God. God is not the God in the heavens only. That's idolatry. The God in the heavens and God on the earth and reality is also the same God. People that have a problem with God have a problem with reality. That's what fantasy is. So they can't accept reality, so they escape by going into this made-up world. Means if right now I don't have the money to pay back, right now I'm not obligated to pay back because I don't have the money. There is such an obligation. When I will get the money, I'll be at peace. So the peace will be found, the inner tranquility. That which money buys you, you'll have even without the money. Another advantage. Page 26. That the person will have fewer worries when it comes to guarding one's wealth. When someone is wealthy... And you people out there that are wealthy will identify with this. We will all, God willing, become wealthy and also identify with this. Is that after you have the money, you have a new worry. Not to lose it. How do you guard it? People go out of their minds. They keep on checking the stock market. The dollar now is worth less money. The real estate is being devaluated. So, so there's a certain worry that people have, even when they're wealthy, that money cannot resolve. That's the worry that money brings. Right? If a person has bitachin, they're not going to be reckless, God forbid, they're not going to be careless. No, they're going to honor the, 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 the pikadin, the custodianship that God entrusted that person with for this while, and maybe for 10 lifetimes, because on to hate. It's not about disrespecting it, but the worry that people have guarding it, you're not going to have. But, Rabbi, if, if, yeah. if I want to, if I need to repay someone now, and before when I lend the money, I did have the money. But now to repay back, I don't have. So I'm going to be in bitachon that I don't have to rent it now. No, no, but no. Okay, okay, okay. Very good. So let, me, let, me go, let me go a little bit off track when it comes to paying back money. I can tell you like this, just from, from some, a little bit of life experience, that if a person owes money and the lender gave it on terms, you know, I'm lending you $100 and in 30 days pay it back to me. If 30 days comes and you don't have the $100, you might have $10. 
We're not saying just don't pay back if you don't have the money. Then go to the person who lent you the money and tell them, listen, I don't have right now what I could. Let me do what I could. Mm-hmm. That's just not related to Shara Bitochen. Making a payment plan and following through with it is so helpful in not creating animosity. Like, imagine you loaned money, not a gift, you gave a loan. The money has to be repaid. So when people shouldn't stop and say, I don't have the money, I don't have the money. It doesn't go that way. You don't have all the money, you normally have some of the money. People are living in LA, they're paying rent, they're paying food, they're paying this, they can pay you, they can pay back a debt on new terms. Point is, is that whatever you could do, you're not going to be overwhelmed with guilt or with pressure for that which you cannot do. Because of, you're living in the world of Amuna. You're living in the world of Bitach. Yeah, but the lender maybe is calling every week. This, this is not related to our conversation. I just think again, well, practically, if you make a payment plan, you won't call every week. I think people call every week if, you're, if you disrespect them completely. Yeah. It's not related to Bitach, but I do have a question about if somebody owes you money and they forget about it, is it to their benefit for you to remind them so they don't have to come back and repay that debt? No, of course. A small amount of money? Of course. You tell them I'm calling you for you, not for me. Exactly. Not for, for you. It's a small amount no. of money, but it, I'm like, I, I never forget it. I don't know why. Just, so I want to compensate it for your benefit. Well, <laughs> maybe you're not forgetting it for your benefit. doesn't matter. But it is for their benefit to pay back. $30. I don't so, need the $30. I understand that. Yeah. So it's definitely, okay. it's not about needing or not needing. It's, 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 it's important. It's important to pay back. Yes. Correct. I can say something as Bela. If you want, you can forgive it. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's if it's That's only enough. for them. Then just forgive the debt. You would have to let them know, right? Huh? You would have to let, have them, to know. let them know. No, they forgot already. They don't know. They're in the nun. They forgot. But if you forgive it, if you forgive it, then then you can't take the money if they pay you back. Okay. We have these beautiful Hasidic stories about uh, you know these big tzaddikim and something was stolen off their table, and they they forgave. Then the Ganef wanted to do tshuva, and he <laughs> gave the money, and the tzaddik didn't want to take it. They went to a dintoira, one of these uh, very holy dintoiras. He's the one who wanted that? to pay back. The point of that story was it was a miser. I remember the details. There was a miser, I think, the Bardichev. There was some big tzaddik that went to the burial of some person that was known to be the biggest miser, and they were wondering why this tzaddik went, and he shared three stories about the miser. One of them was such a story. He was far from a miser, but he was very modest in his generosity, and people thought for him to be a miser. Okay, coming back over here, speaking about peace of mind. So here, a person won't be worried. You're not going to be worried guarding your wealth. Right, let's go on page 27. This is what our sages of blessed memory say. More possessions, the more worry. And in reverse, who is wealthy, now, you have to appreciate what, what the author is saying. He's saying something beautiful because we all heard this, or many of us heard the statement. Who's wealthy? The one who's content with what they have. First of all, we're speaking about material things. To be content with our ruchnias is very unhealthy. But in the physical world, to be content with what we have, we understand that's beautiful. You're wealthy when you're content. He's saying something much deeper. He's not saying the word content. Saying that when people have what they have, they can be content with what they have, but they can be worried not to lose it. I'm fine that I don't have whatever it is that I think would make my life even better. I'm happy with my Honda. I don't need a Rolls Royce, but I don't want my Honda to be stolen. Because you can be content with what you have and you can still be worried. He's emphasizing, he's underlining the word simcha. You're going to be happy with it because it's only bringing you a blessing. It's not bringing you a blessing and worry. Like kindalach, they bring you blessings and worry. No, only simcha. Like grandkids. Mm-hmm. You'll see, guys. A person who trusts in God will receive all the benefits of money without any of the worries that money brings about. One thing becomes clear as we are learning the introduction that if people think that if they're going to just learn how to have bitachim, it's like the secret. And if I do this and that, and I get into that zone, things in my world will manifest. Gold will manifest on my table. He's saying dafka not. Okay? We're not saying that it might not happen. But the purpose of bitachim is to live with God. To live a life where I, I am completely trusting God. 
It's simple words, but think about it. It's mo- and then all of the emotional and mental benefits of all material things you have, whether you have those material things or not. Furthermore, umayhen, another benefit, another benefit of having bitachin is lo Saying something beautiful. When people have a lot of financial security, they can stop relying on God. Like the big doctor that tells God, I got this patient. Don't worry, God. Don't worry about the other patients. I got him. No. God has everyone. And think about it. Certain things in our life, we feel, oh, I have to dive in for X, Y, and Z. What about A, B, and C? No, A, B, and C, I got covered. No, we have nothing covered in, in, in I. Hashem has it covered. I'm grateful for the things that are manifesting in a pleasant way. But reliance on God is challenged when a person has things very, very well. As we all see. We all have that experience, and that's a, you know, a national experience. It says, Moshe Rabbeinu foretold it, that when people become very fat, they kick God. In other words, when they have too much Gashmias, you have more than what you need, you become very, uh, you don't have to think about God. Now, this is not to say, God forbid, that a person who's impoverished, right, we have to become impoverished to think about God. But no, but we have to learn how to think about God in our, in our plenty. In our plenty, we should think about God even, even, even more. You know, all of the Tehillims that are said when people are ill, which is amazing. Imagine if we would do the same thing and a bit more to say Tehillim and something good happens. Mm-hmm. Then God would benefit a lot more by doing good, right? It's almost like we're only giving God attention when things are bad. Which Tehillim would you suggest you say? Whatever it is. A person is ill, they make a Chalukah sa Tehillim. When something good happens, make the Chalukah times, twi- times two. Mm-hmm. Right? In other words, if a person who has betachin, even though he has the money, but his security is not coming from the money. So, if the money stays with him a lot longer, he's not going to rebel against God, as could happen, as happens by the majority of people who are very successful in a certain area. In that area, they become arrogant. Arrogance means they deny God. It's me. And if, God forbid, they lose their money, nothing changed. I speak to my father's benefit. My father was very wealthy. For a Brazilian, very wealthy when I was growing up. He lost the wealth he lost. It didn't touch him. That's a big mida. Even when he had it, he had a certain relationship with money. Um, it's not a financial plan, but it's a betachen plan. And you can watch people, God forbid, especially when they get older, if they were wealthy, and they lose their money, some people it breaks. It, it can break a person. It's very difficult. Maybe yeah. the most difficult is to grow up in a wealthy home. That's what I said. And then to have a lot of finance, that's even maybe even harder. Gosh, you, know, you, you grew up in a betachen home. The betachen doesn't change. These are real stories. We knew people. There was a Jew by the name of Rav Mendel Futefas. Many of you heard him. I knew him. No, not knowing, knowing, but I knew him. I saw him. I heard him. Fabreng. I sat with him many times. What a Jew. He mamish gave up his life. To, to forge passports to help Yidin run away from the Soviet Union, and it was dangerous to be observant in the Soviet Union. My grandfather, Steri's grandfather, and like many Lubavitchers, sat 10 years in slave labor. Why? Because they kept Shabbos. I mean, imagine living in such a society. And after the Second World War, so Polish soldiers who were fighting on behalf of the Soviets against the Nazis, they were allowed to return to Poland. Many of them got killed. So if you can get their passports and take out the picture of the Polak and put a, a picture of a Yid as a Polish citizen, that was the way that the, my grandparents left Russia. You needed to forge documents and Hasidim went into the business of forging passports. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, and the comedy of it, because these people, they barely spoke Russian. Understand, what Polish, who Polish? And, and I know Maizeda had his face bandaged up when he left. Bandaged so they shouldn't show you see his beard. They would never touch their beard. Mm. And they went from there, they went oh, the, the way, the, way, the, wow. the story of Lubavitcher history. So, so this Yid, they were, the government was after these passport forgers. He knew they're after him. He knew they're after him. And they told him, run away. 
and he gave his password away to another chassid. You understand that with the types of Eden. And they caught him and he went to Gulag. And when he ultimately came out, he had so many amazing stories that he shared with everyone. And he was a very humble Yid, even though it was a story about himself, but he related it because at some point it was so difficult, the manual labor. And he was amongst prisoners. Many of them came from very Bahavadika backgrounds. He was not with bandits. He, was, he says there was a doctor in his group. There were people that were very prominent people that rebelled against the, commu- the communist system and they went to jail and they became depressed. And someone asked him, how are you not depressed? How can a human being have a, you have a life, you have a family, you have a community, and they pluck you away, they put you in a who knows where, this is not an American jail, which is also hell, God forbid, no one should know. For years, slave labor. So he told him, that's the difference between a yid, he says, between me and you. He's a very proud Jew. He says that your life was your family. Your life was, the, was you being a doctor. Your life, he says, my life is to serve God. Yes, it's important, and thank God I have a family, and I have a, he was a teacher, I have all these things. My life is to serve God. That did not change. Evidently, God wants me to serve him here. Just the same, he gave him martial I was working in the middle of the work, it's getting dark, and you have to stop, and you have to daven mincha. He says, the same thing is over here. Nothing changed for me, and he meant it. So, in other words, what is our life? If a, if a yid chooses to live a life of bitachim, which is of reliance, on God, which means we live with God, that is who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm with God. Everything else comes from it. Then, 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 then it's shy for us to reach a level that even if, God forbid, a person should lose their money, it should not change them. People with pure money, it won't hurt them at all. They won't care. And they'll be happy in their lot. And they certainly won't do what many people do. When people drown financially, they schlep people down with them. Just to know a good clout in life. Not, not uh, maliciously. That's just, any, just like physically when a person is drowning. One of the chachmas of a lifeguard is when you jump in to save them, they might drag you down. Mm-hmm. I know people that were financially drowning and they knew they needed a loan. And logically, it would be impossible for them to pay it back. Large sums of money. But because of their desperation, they don't see it that way. They really think that this will save them and it can drown the person who's lending them the money. Someone who has betachan will never do that. Because he, he never comes to that point of anguish that they feel like they're drowning. They have financial challenges that God is giving them and he relies on God. And these are very high levels to reach, but at least to have the words, to have that image, to know that every human being has the ability to get there, that in itself is awesome. That also helps a person not to covet. How do you not covet? Feelings. Don't want what the other person has. Only with bitach. If you don't have bitach, and it's uh, stam words. Then he adds, page 29, that another benefit, even removing the religious perspective, from a very mundane perspective, is, we spoke about this before, menuchas, Halev. It means to live a stress-free life. And he's, and he's speaking about, you know, the psukim we end, in Chabad, the meaning is to end benching with the words, which is so wise, not, God forbid, disrespecting the other beautiful menhagim to add other psukim, but why do we end? We end over there because, because people are hungry. People need to eat. It's a need. Everyone identifies with that. And we know a little bit what it feels like to be hungry. And therefore, we appreciate, hopefully, more than less, the blessing of having food. Mamish. There's food on the table. And we thank God for that. But we want to finish the benching by saying that I, my bitachin is in God, not in my food. I'm good because I have God. Not because I have the prep food that just in case a war breaks out, I have frozen food for the next 20 years. No, no, that's that, 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 I'm not saying do it, not do it. Definitely is good for the business of the people that sells it. But Dafka, when it comes to needs, who fulfills my need is God. Not even the food. God does it through the food, but it's God who's fulfilling my need. So that's how we end benching. And that really gives a person a stress-free life. Furthermore, another Gavaldika detail. And Chavra, I know this is today equally for men and women that are all out there in the marketplace. Without jest, there are times and there could be there are certain scenarios where a person, because of a challenge in their marriage, 
perhaps for a certain period, but have a better marriage if they travel more often. All right, say there. But other than that, the idea that I have to travel to make a living, that mindset is something that he strongly rejects. Because making a parnasa, which is very important, is part of what we are here to do. Family comes first. And in most cases, traveling is not good for the family. If that is the case, what if people say, but I have to go travel to earn a living. Now certain people, listen, every person is a person, I'm not speaking towards any yachid, but he's saying a person that would have bitachin, the more bitachin, the, the more the person will have the emes, not the words, but they'll feel the emes, that my source of livelihood is just a channel through which I'm making my living. My living is coming from God. And the red lines, just like, you know, for from a Yidin, Shabbos or a Parnasa, no, I'm going to keep Shabbos. What's going to be with Parnasa? God will find another way. We don't break Shabbos. Something that the other generations already gave us as a gift. Travel. He's against, don't travel to make a living. I, this looks like that if you'll travel, we're speaking about being away for Shabbos. That's just to know what sh- uh, travel means. Being at home every day, at least in his days, most Yidin stayed in the base Medrash, Mamash, a lot. They slept there. Or not, whatever works for the family. You come home to help the kids in the morning. Go out night, go learn the whole night in base Medrash. The nights were theoretically made for learning. So you go home, you go have supper, and you go learn, which is what you didn't do until today. But then they, they, they learned. They stayed as long as they're active in their homes. You go to sleep 12, go to sleep at 2, but uh, help with the kids in the morning. Many people learn early in the morning. They should go home and be and help out when needed in the morning with the kids. But to travel in a way, he says, first of all, traveling is very unhealthy for the body particularly in those days. Could be today, it's not as bad as, I'm not saying that it's the greatest thing to sit on an airplane, but the travel then is, 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 a, is, is, is very unhealthy. And people are going and they're traveling because they say, this is my parnasa. So more betachen, this is not from a religious perspective, the more betachen a person will have, the more the person will reject unhealthy sources of income. Not, again, this is dangerous, dangerous territory, because then a person can, you know, there is a certain line where I have to make my effort and I have to take a pranasa, like every case is a case. What happens if a person did not find a job and boom, today he got an offer and he has four kids and tuition he has to pay and that demands of him to go to China. Maybe he should take it. I don't think, uh, mm-hmm. you should just ask him on business class if you can get such a thing in over there. But, but as, a, as, a, as an approach, that the more betachen, the more we rely on the means, we go to the source, and that's going to add to our life stress, stress-free, or at least less stressful, and it's going to enable us to stay in one place. To stay in one place. Any questions? A million. Huh? <laughs> I said a million. <laughs> so it's not considered traveling if you're home for Shabbos every week? I would say it's up to the family. In other words, I would. I, depends what you're used to. Every, every case is like, not you. I don't mean you. You want me to say I'm that? I'm not even asking about myself. Yeah. I'm just in general. I think the importance of Shabbos and Yantav is exponentially more than during the week. Unless they're needed in the home during the week. So let me paint another picture. Many people here are young, but let's say a person reaches a level of age in life where they don't need hands on help every morning with the kids because the kids are out of the house. Or that parent sadly doesn't yet know how to interact pro with the teenage kids. And sometimes, again, if they're not home, it's calmer. That should be taken into the equation. They should make that better. But until that becomes better, like every case, but, but they're going to be home for Shabbos. You can say to be home every day. Yeah. What do you do about the, the financial debt thing? It's really oh. like hit me. Okay. okay. <laughs> and my mother, I think I shared this at my mother's shiva. That was her one thing she was crazy about. She was so focused on never owing a dime to anyone and she would drive us all crazy our whole life about it. We didn't know why, it was mom's thing. And many years later we realized that that's a thing. And it's Big a real thing. thing. And she wasn't at all from, at all. We didn't know any Torah at all. Anyway, so I'm like thinking back, is it considered a debt? We you know we are working for a company. I work for a nonprofit or I had for many years. Very vague in nonprofit world, right? There's not clear hours you work and clear. So are you over, could you owe financial debt if you 
I don't know, if, you did, if things weren't clear and you didn't work according to what maybe the expectations were, but it's all very vague and fuzzy, you didn't break any contract, like, I'm just thinking back over, yeah, over my Okay, work. okay, so let's, let's just, just, let's not convolute, let's not confuse two separate topics, which are both equally important. One topic is, if it's clear that I owe money, which is what he is addressing, and then you're addressing the importance of clarifying whether money is owed or not, better not to leave it vague. Whether I have the money to pay back or not. So if we find ourselves in a scenario that something happened in the past where it's not clear, so if either party is moichel, then that's fine. Uh Which can happen. Listen, it's not clear. Let's make an agreement. If I owe you money, please forgive me. If you owe me money, I forgive you. Then then Shalom Al Yisrael. Uh But I'm saying if things are left vague and there isn't a real... Mechila, right? It's not thirty dollars. I'm just being correct. Like thirty dollars, you know, most people, normal people, they'll be Michael, big deal. Yeah. That person should come back to this world because of the thirty dollars. Right. It doesn't That's make sense. Was, yeah, but but sense. sometimes it comes to whatever the larger money means to whatever person. I think it's important to clarify it, to give it chashivus, not because I'm the wealthy guy and if I'm going to find out that I owe you money, that I have the money now to pay, or you're, I expect for you to pay me now. No, no, the payment plan we'll deal with later. I think it's good to shed clarity. And that's not only in money matters. I think in many matters that many people, when they're younger, they put it aside. If they are be'emes moichel, beautiful. But if it's lingering in my heart, at some point, what we chaparayim when we're alive, never hurts to have a conversation and to clarify something, not to make the whole life out of it. Like some things that are dormant should be awakened in the right setting where it's, where it's going to make things better, even though there'll be a little bit of pain. Now, going back to paying back debts, he's not saying that a person should be at peace. No, if I owe money, I'm a choyif to pay it back. But like today, how, am I, how will I live today? If I know that today I can't do it, I'll give it to God. Give it to God. The worry. Mm-hmm. Let, Let God, God worry. <laughs> Let God worry for me. Let God have mercy. It means I'm going to have to come back to the world again. It's such a not good for me. But now, today I can't. So now what? Mm-hmm. Not to minimize the choyv. Not to minimize the seriousness. But let's take it a day at a time. If today I can't pay back, can I enjoy coffee? <laughs> well, you shouldn't be going to a spa, right? Not to a spa. I'm just saying, like, you shouldn't be spending money that, when you owe money on frivolous things. Whatever frivolous means. That also gets a little bit convoluted. That's what I'm saying. When, that's what I was saying to you, Daphne, that when people say they don't have money, it's not normally, it's not that they don't have any money. It's they don't have that amount of money. And if you make a, a, an agreement, it's so advantageous, just practical. Even if you owe a person $50,000 and you tell them, I know that you were expecting to get the whole $50,000. I don't have $50,000, but to show that I'm respecting the debt, let me pay you $200 a month. I mean, they're going to... Or two hundred might be disrespectful. Every case is a case, but you know, if a person taka has nothing and they offer that, I think a heart feels a heart. It's going to be very much appreciated. I mean, the person that gave that fifty thousand to someone that wasn't likely to pay it back, I think he would hopefully know that before he's giving it. Sometimes we, sometimes we, we, we don't know that, and sometimes the recipient circumstances changes. Yeah, yeah like before COVID, it, it, re- it really can happen. These things happen. And it's just a matter, a matter of time. I think in life, all of us will be zoicha, amen, to lend a lot of money amen. and not to get the money back. I think it's a big schus in life. Mm-hmm. And not to be on the other side of the spectrum and you'll be disappointed. And to come to a point where... It's a schus to not get your money back that you lent? I think, I think every time... Every, uh, okay, I, know, I don't want to say what I want to mean. I mean is that every time when we do a mitzvah, we pay a price for it, I think it makes the mitzvah more valuable. Mm. So sometimes you pay the price prior to. Like you're going to pay $100 for the lemon, for the esetic. But if that's what God wants me to do, sometimes you pay the price after, which is like you loan the money, like they say no good deed goes unpunished. There's a beauty to that after it happened. God forbid it. When Mashiach will have it, it's not going to happen anymore. Really a mitzvah should right away bring about a, a pleasant result. But in Golos, it doesn't happen that way. And I think there's a beauty to that. It's a beauty that we're faithful to God no matter what. Mm. Not because we, we are, uh, it's all shaloy l'shma and everything will be good. I, I want to be real. Before Mashiach's coming, could be that because of my mitzvah, I'm going to get penalized. Certain mitzvahs, you know, mm. 
Even no, no, we stay up the whole night of Shuas. Is it healthy for the body? No. Okay, I'm doing it anyways. There comes a line, but wherever that line is, I think paying a price for a mitzvah, if it's received the right way, is something beautiful. In that context, I meant that imagine you'll have the ability to lend money, but not as a gift. You cannot lend it because you need that money in a month. You need it. But you have Rahmanas, you have Avas Yisrael. You lend the money, not you, all of us. And it's going to happen, it's going to happen that that person won't pay back. Isn't that a great place to be in versus then on the other side? All right, compared to that. What if you owe something to somebody, whether you borrowed, and then you can't find that person anymore? Mm-hmm. Should you give the amount to tzedakah? So that's so a great... You, so you would have clean, so you don't feel gazer, so you are clean with money, with everything. Okay, very good. So this is a Mishnah. And just, it's a technical question, but it's a good question. The Mishnah is speaking about the case of theft but I'm going to apply it to a loan the same, which means that if Reuven, let's say, just as a name, Reuven stole, he doesn't remember from whom he stole, and he wants to do tshuva, and he wants to give back the money. So the Mishnah says, if he remembers where the victim lives, he should donate something that is benefiting all of the people in the city. Mm-hmm. So at least some of that money will go back to the victim. Even the Mishnah, even a bridge, a bridge, build a Beis HaKnesses. The Mishnah gives a few examples, not because of the religious part of the Beis HaKnesses, just something that everyone there makes use of. Same thing with the loan, the same concept, because if I, if I don't give back the loan, I'm a Ganav. I stole the money. That's called Ganav, even though I didn't take it to a, with aggression. It came to me peacefully, but now me not returning it, I'm doing an act of thievery. So if I want to do, I want to give it back. I don't remember to whom. So at least now it's, listen, in reality, it's very rare. This, I mean, the, the, the person has Alzheimer's. I mean, what do you mean you don't remember from whom? You, no, you, the person has disappeared. You can't. You have track that so has yes, he has relatives, he has children. You know, you're right. It could happen. I'm just saying it's not that it's not that common. Right. You give it back to the person's family. Go find his wife, or go find the husband. Go find the kids. No, it's a you single. If he's not Jewish. Nothing to do. Nothing. You're not allowed to steal from a goy. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Look clear. It's not our money. Can you address something? Because the fact that we have the tuchin that Hashem is going to provide for us. I'm just saying that as a fact. We have the tuchin. We're not there yet. See, we're not there. That was my whole okay. point of today. Okay. <laughs> but... So we have the talking that Hashem's going to provide. No, 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 no. You're going to trip me up. You're tripping me up, Elam. We have the talking that the life that I have today is exactly the life God planned for me. Even though, in retrospect, a lot of it is because of my terrible choices yesterday. Nevertheless, today, my life as it is, is the life that God planned for me today. And me embracing it with the spirit of I have bitachin in God. Not that things will work out the way I want. He's Befeder's not saying that. He's saying that if you have money, then you're not going to hoard it. You'll, you'll, you'll pay back debts. You're not going to be worried about if you don't have money, that's the reality today. Now, I have to make an effort to make sure that tomorrow is better than today. 100%. But right now, it's, a, it's about an inner type of peace. It's an inner peace that bitachin brings about. He's focusing on me relying on God. There are needs. I know I have needs. So, I have to rely on someone. Not, I'm relying on me, I'm a self-made man. Or I'm relying on you, or relying on my bank account. I'm relying on God. But you still have to do your job for... For sure. Okay. That's for sure. I okay. I mean, I knew that's the answer, but I okay. didn't address that. Okay, I think we should stop over here, and we're going to speak a little bit about Shavuos. You can begin with specific questions, or I can just give a quick uh, couple of pointers regarding Shavuos, which is important. Um... Like, for example, there's a big machlekes, uh, it's good to know, different customs regarding candle lighting for Yantiv. Um, Shabbos, we have to light the candles before Shabbos because we're not allowed to create fire on Shabbos. We are not even allowed to pass fire from a pre-existing flame on Shabbos. On Yantiv, we could light from a pre-existing flame. So even Minik Chabad and many others that are medagdik, that on the first night of the Chag, we should light the candles the way we do it for Shabbos, which is 18 minutes before sunset. Other people don't do that. But this year, it's not Shaykh to do it, just to be aware of that. Because this, this year, Shabbos is Erev Yantiv. And then, 
the idea, the idea is, so what time do I light? There's no what time prior to Kiddush. And this is an Achrayas. Yeah. No, it's if it's 18 minutes before, or only were the same thing by every second night Yontif. Every second night Yontif, you can't light 18 minutes before because it's still part of the first day. Just know, there's no time. What time is candle lighting? No, it's not connected to time. It's connected before the meal because the candles have a lot to do with eating. It's not only about the eating and also to remember and therefore it's good halachically even though many people have these beautiful menhagim and they light it on their fireplace and you should all have big fireplaces but it's good to have two candles on the table. On the table. On the table and that should be lit before the meal. It's connected to the meal. So that's this year. Um, The minig of having milchiks is a minig connected to the first day of Shavuos only, I'm not saying that people can have milchiks the whole time in the correct? There's an Indian to have lechem and basar and, 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 and even the first day shvuas, people who really are on that level, they have milchiks and fleshiks. If, if the thought makes you uncomfortable, then just have milchiks and you're fine. You should have simcha, that's what you should have. But ideally, we should get to the place that doing all of these details will add to our simcha, not subtract. Milchiks has to come before fleshiks. Kiddush is connected to a meal. So you make Kiddush and you have to have a Mazoinus. Speak about it every year. There's a big Machloikas that's unresolved for people that eat their hearts full. Then there's nothing to talk about. People who theoretically limit their intake of a cheesecake. Um, then the, so, but I have to eat enough to make an after blessing. How much cheesecake do you have to make to make a baracha? <laughs> <laughs> Let me clarify my question. That uh, cheesecake is unique, that it's not like cake. Cake, the whole thing is mozoinus. It's mm-hmm. basically flour mm-hmm. with uh, poison and other stuff, but it's flour. <laughs> cheesecake is cheese that has a little bit of crust on top and the bottom, or just on the bottom. The mozoinus is only the crust. The mizonot part is only the flour part. The reason why we make a mizonot and not a shahakol is because whenever you make food and the little bit of a product of the five grains are added not only as a binder, but also to add flavor, even if it's only also, you make a mizonot. So we make a mizonot for cheesecake. But these expensive cheesecakes, there's very little mizonot. If you have to eat an ounce of mizonot proper, to make a baruch achreina, just going into uh, these uh, at least yeshiva discussions, then you have to eat a lot of cheesecake to make a baruch achreina. Just religiously, we don't want to. We're very disciplined people, so there's we have we have cheese. We have uh, the Rebbe made a big campaign, even though that there is no mitzvah connected to Shavuos. It is amazing. Every yontif has a mitzvah, a positive mitzvah, not only not working. Rosh Hashanah, Shoifer, Yom Kippur is fasting. I know fasting means not to eat, but it's like fasting. Pesach is matzah. Every yom of sukkahs is a lot of mitzvahs. What's the mitzvah of Shavuos? No. So the Rebbe instituted that the mitzvah connected to Shavuos, this is not as a mitzvah from the Torah, but that was the Rebbe's institute, is to make the biggest effort to have men, women, children, and infants gather together to hear the reading of the Aserah Sadibas. To reenact, to a little degree, the moment that we stood, our grandparents stood, and our neshama stood around Harsinai, and it has a very big effect. Even though, you know, shul is full, to have the shul packed and to have men and women and, and infants. It, 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 and this is a Maimon Har Sinai. And to give some special additional attention to the children. This is, a, this is like, this is our mifza of Chagashvos and to invite people. It's an easy thing to tell people that we know that are not necessarily shul goers to make an effort to come to shul for the first day Shavuos to hear the reading of the Aseris Adibris, which is the bedrock of life. Um, there also there's a minute to stay up the first night and just for the record that ideally the, the people should read the Tikkun which is very unpopular the Tikkun is a Sefer that takes the entire Torah Chumash, Nevi'im, Ksuvim, Mishneh, Gemara Medrish, Kabbalah and it puts on paper the beginning and the end of every piece so like the portion of Bereshis you have the beginning and the end Noich, the beginning and the end to read the Tikkun, if you read well, it's going to take you around four hours. Wow. So we read through the whole Torah. This is the ideal old minig of how to spend um, your night was at night. I can say it, maybe it's the sin of our generation, but I say already in the, when I began uh, shul in the 80s and the 90s, 
people that were not uh, religious are not common to shul to read the tikkun. Ah, so you find that? oh, there we have on the shuls tikkuns. It's called the tikkun. Okay, you can find them in English. But uh, I don't, maybe better if you're not planning to do it, then you're not going to have it in English. You'll have another excuse. I, listen, I don't say the tikkun. I've seen it a few times. Okay, try it. It's, it whoever is able to say Tehillim Shabbos Mavarchim, it's around saying Tehillim twice. At night, after wine. Just to know what you're getting into. So what became, it's better than going to sleep, is to learn the Torah the whole night. And LA is a beautiful city, and there are great Torah teachers here. And many shuls have learning going on the whole night and find yourself learnings that you like. And if you cannot sit in one place, then make a plan if you could. And not minimizing security issues that people... Okay, so I'm going to pick it out. That, that it's not that safe anymore over here, sadly. And, uh, you know, to be mindful. If you're walking from shul to shul, get a walking partner or a group of people. It definitely makes sense. That's the ishtadlus. We rely on God. But prior to, we should be mindful and to take care of our well-being you're allowed to carry on hugs if you carry a spray or something. Whatever it is, I'm not saying what people should do. Just people should also be aware that that's, the ikir is to learn Torah, but we also have to protect ourselves and to do the steps that, that God tells us to do. And then, and then to have bitachin and God. And God will take so care of us. The tikkun you have to start only from 1 a.m.? No, the tikkun is something that you say the whole night. You're, you're, there's another tikkun, you're saying good, that's why Shana Rabba, but that's not the tikkun of Lel Shuas. So you can, you can start it any Start it when it's dark until, until the morning. Until you the morning. can take, you do it in, like, you have to sit through the whole thing, or you can take it in, like, say, uh, say it. Say, say a little it, bit of it, say a little bit of it, or I can tell people that they can't read the tikkun, read the mitzvahs. Do some, some is better than nothing, always the some is better than nothing. Huh? Read the mitzvahs of tikkun. No, no, in the, in the end of the tikkun, at end of the four hours is to read through all of the six thirteen mitzvahs. Mm. Uh-uh. So I know some people that they do, they do the six thirteen mitzvahs. Someone told me that he did to the tikkun what the tikkun did to the Torah. What did the tikkun do to the Torah? He took everything, the beginning and the end. So he reads the first line of the tikkun and the last line of the tikkun. He says, "I did to the tikkun." Okay, say the oh, better than nothing. As long as we know it's not ideal. That was a good line, huh? Rabbi, there's going to be programming in Sola? Sure, always. Oh, men and women. Uh, Baruch Hashem, proud. All night? All night, all night, yeah. You only women. No, she's asking only women. Only women, men and women, but, but uh, always. And uh, very lively. Amazing. We learn until the crack of dawn, or right before the crack of dawn, because men, there's an ingen for men to go to the mikvah by the crack of dawn, because the Torah was given at the crack of dawn. The Torah was given at the crack of dawn. That's um, the first night? That's the first night, meaning that's much of Shabbos. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we don't have an early minion. I'm proud of that because people, uh, most people cannot daven five in the morning after they're up all night. We go to sleep. We come back to shul davening. starts at of a quarter to ten. We say that the Asadis Adibris is 11, probably 11, 15. And then second night, is there anything? Second night is a normal yantif. Most people, especially people with families, really don't get to make up that sleep. So they make it up the second night. Mm-hmm. People, and the second day? Second day is the second day. Machaya. <laughs> second day until Any questions regarding Shavuos? I have a question yeah. regarding baking. Um, baking. Baking challah. Um, specifically, not just for bread, but for the purpose of putting it on the Shabbos table. Is it okay to use from a batch that you haven't made a bracha on if you made less than five pounds? 100%. Okay, so you're not required to have a bracha no, batch. No, okay. no. The only, the only a step back. We have a mitzvah to separate challah. The mitzvah to separate challah that we do here is, is rabbinic, which is important just to know. The mitzvah biblical is in the Holy Land when all the Jewish people live there. Even today in Israel, according to most opinions, it's rabbinic. I'm adding that detail also just to know that when Mashiach will come, it will be a little bit different than the way we're doing it today. Because today when we separate challah, we're not mindful of how much are we separating. But whenever the obligation is the way it really is going to be, then there is an amount, there's a percent. It's one of 24. And if you're a baker, then it's one of 48. You never heard those numbers because right now, since it's only Midrabanan, it's any amount. Ideally, to give it to a coin. Today, we cannot give it to the coin because it's not ritually pure. So we have to burn it. How is that ritually pure? Pure or the coin's not ritually pure? Both. And both render a challenge. 
if the coin is impure, the coin cannot eat pure truma. And if the truma is impure, then it must be destroyed. It could be burnt and they can make use of the fuel, but it has to be burned. So it became today that we burn it. It's important to burn it. Ideally, we separate and burn the challah when we make the dough. If you forgot to separate challah when you make the dough, not a problem. Then even after the bread is fully baked, mm-hmm. gather the bread that came out of the same dough in one basket, in one keili, and make and separate challah. And now the question is, there is a minimum of flour needed for me to be obligated to separate, to do the mitzvah. There is a debate how to apply that minimum. So bottom line will be is, is that this is again, this is Minak Chabad. Um, some other groups have something close, not exactly the same. But it is like this. If I make a batch using less than two and a half pounds of flour, then I don't even make a brach. Not only do I not separate, because it's so little, it didn't hit the minimum amount, I don't even, I don't make a, I don't separate. Between two and a half pounds and five pounds, five pounds is the bag that you buy now in the market, the bag, that's five pounds. Right. Between two and a half and five pounds, we separate, but we don't make a bracha. And only if we make a batch that has in one keli together five pounds or more, so Shoshana was asking, is there any downside? So like this, if a person is baking five pounds or more and they're trying to wiggle out of the mitzvah for whatever reason, not to have to lose that little bit of challah, so they break it and they make three separate doughs, that's not good. That is what we don't want to do. But if a person is only making one pound, right, like if you only need one you're making what? No, you, you, you know. Um, is it still a mitzvah? No, you're not doing a mitzvah. So, so if you could buy at the store and it's like no difference. Mm-hmm. Correct. Is it like you're preparing for Shabbos? Anyway? Correct. The mitzvah of separating challah right. only goes into effect yeah. when at least it's two and a half pounds. And, if, and, and ideally, why not a bracha? Because some people say there's no mitzvah yet. So, so if you want to be... Sur- uh, sorry, so if you have enough dough and to take but not make a bracha, is that still a mitzvah? Perhaps. That's why we don't make a bracha. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for the mitzvah, which is taka, yeah. you're looking for the mitzvah, then instead of making challah, let's say, every week, let's say you only make two and a half pounds, yeah. then make it once and freeze it. It's better mitzvah-wise, not fresh-wise, okay. because like this, you made a bracha, correct. Okay. All right. One quick question. Um, the mitzvah to eat or the minag to eat dairy is the only one is first day, not correct. the first night, Correct. no other meal. Correct. We could if we want, but correct. the thing is... Correct, correct. Okay. Thank you. All right. Have a wonderful, happy Shavuos. Thank you.